to our second Direct Primary Care of Blacksburg podcast. With me in the office today is the lovely Angelina Levy. Levy. Nurse Gina to you. Levy? Levy. L-E-V-E. I mean, it's only been five years, so it's okay. Maybe we'll get this right in the next five years. In my defense, Siri pronounces your name differently than it's written. Okay, that's a good excuse. All right, so all that to say, um, thank you for your comments and encouragement from last week's podcast. We had a lot of fun doing it, and so we're going to do it again. And this week, we are going to do the same, like the Virginia statistics, get you some stuff about COVID, but then we're going to move pretty quickly to um, another topic. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been very prescient in the practice. Some of you may not realize that our practice, at least Matt McCarthy's panel, is greater than 50% children under the age of 15. So we're going to talk about anxiety and depression in kids. Um, so sort of related to COVID, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think it'll be a good discussion, and we got some things to share with you. So... Um, Sound good? Gina? I think it sounds great. I love right. the idea. But the first thing I want to do, based on feedback, is I kind of want to start this thing called Put Dr. Matt on the Spot. And what that means is we ask you a question that you have no idea what the question will be, what it's about, and we put you on the spot to see how you're going to answer. So are you ready for your first on-the-spot question from our patient population? Sure. Okay. You don't sound very confident. I, I, so, need, I need names of who suggested Absolutely this. <laughs> not. No, no. My, my lips are sealed. I'm sworn to secrecy. All right. So somebody this week wrote in and said, Hey, Dr. Matt, you're very successful in many areas of your life, but can you tell us about something you failed at and what you learned from it? That's the question. I thought it was great. So I was like, Hey, we're doing this one. I failed that dress code in med school, big time. What does that even mean? So I actually, um, this is such a dodge of the question, but <laughs> this um, this shouldn't be a complicated question, Doctor <laughs> Matt. Um, most of us can easily think of many things that we have failed at. I actually got put on a form of probation in medical school. Um, for two reasons. One was, I don't know if it's a probation, but... Um, <laughs> I, I like the word probation, so go ahead. I was written up by a standardized patient. So these are people that um, pretend to be patients in the room. They're like local actors. Some, I think some of our pa- current patients have done this before okay. for VCOM. And we would go in the room and, you know, pretend to be the doctor and they pretend to be the patient and we're being videotaped. Mm-hmm. Well, um... I got three marks against me. One, they're like, you talk way too quiet, which right. that wasn't really a surprise to me, or an, or I wasn't really offended by that. Second was, they said I dressed very sloppily, <laughs> that I had holes in my shoes, that my pants were cut off khakis, and my shirt was untucked or something, I can't remember. Hmm. Um, and then the th- 
What was the third? Oh, okay. So in a, in a single block, they actually at one point... This is totally going to be cut from the final... <laughs> 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 in, in, in one block, they said you have three standardized patients to see this block. We will drop your lowest score. So many of you know exactly how Matt McCarthy handled that situation. I showed up and rocked the first two, and I was actually in North Carolina with, notably... Dr. Lekha Sherry okay. <laughs> buying beehives during the scheduled time of the third standardized patient. And you can imagine VCOM didn't take that very well. No. So those three marks together got me in front of the school counselor. Oh, wow. Got me a host of emails. Um, yeah. Scrutiny. I would have freaked uh, out, Dr. Matt. That's well, kind of a dodge of the question. It was a funny story. I think a lot of patients have heard that story already. Yeah, probably, but it's still good to hear it over and over again. <laughs> so what do you know about COVID this let's just week? Say, let's just say Gina and I were like the most opposite students of medicine that you could imagine. <laughs> probably true. Um, anyway. That was my intro. What do you know about COVID this week? Okay, COVID this week. So, um, yeah, so just to get you some numbers, like I've said in my emails, I'm running out of like new and like groundbreaking info for you guys. But uh, Virginia, we are very close to 100,000 people tested across the state. We've had almost 16,000 cases, um, 2,322 hospitalizations, and 552 deaths. So that's today's data. If you focus in on the New River Valley, we've tested uh, 1,754. And that number seems to go up by a couple, you know, one to two, three hundred a day, depending. There's a funny little jump over the weekends, of course. But um, and then we've had 74 cases, eight hospitalizations. So notably, no new hospitalizations for a week, and that one death we've been talking about. So um, if you look at these graphs, you know the graph for Virginia on cases reported by week illness began has started to kind of look pretty flat at the top. Um, We'll see. Um, so many of you have seen and we've discussed Governor Northam's address on Monday about his plan for reopening Virginia. It's, um, you know, interesting lesson as what they're thinking and what, what they're looking for in these graphs and in these statistics. And, um, and then, again, spoke yesterday about um, um, the elective procedures and that's going to be um, merged back in. So um, if you haven't heard either of those um, press releases, uh, we put a link in one of our emails there, um, but it's a useful lesson. So. so yeah, that's kind of the latest numbers on the NRV. We are seeing increased availability of testing still for symptomatic cases. Um, still, you know, the path of least resistance has been through the health department. Um, for reporting and um, and I can also say you know in our area we still have plenty of resources for um, tracking or tracing you know um, tra case case tracing who they've been exposed to etc so so yeah hmm I predict the topic of next week will be how do I get back to work Dr. Matt because 
how do I prove to my employer that I'm healthy? <laughs> that could so, be true. We'll see how the next few weeks go. There's, there's a, so always something on the horizon here. So, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned in your latest news update, right, was the increase in basically domestic violence. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And also child abuse, right? I don't know if you included that, did you? Um, the statistics I sent out um, yesterday did not include that, but it yeah. has to be increasing. I mean, um, some of this is just sort of logical. I mean, this stuff is hard to measure, especially right now, because it's harder for victims to report anything right now. Um, you know, if you're stuck in a house with your abuser, how are you going to um, make a phone call, you know, get out, reach well, I mean, out? So, yeah. That's exactly what happened, right? When people were told that the spread of COVID-19 was coming, they were basically told to go home and stay there, right? Um, and it right. was in the name of their safety and everyone else's safety, right? But mm -hmm. if you're a victim or survivor of domestic violence, and I'm including the children that are exposed to that, being mm -hmm. home isn't always a safe option. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, you know, it can actually increase the level of violence that may not have even been an issue before is like COVID has in general it's just we're we are recognizing that with the advent of sending people home in the name of protecting them there really has been a higher risk that places them for higher risk of chronic disease um, depression things like PTSD right post-traumatic stress disorder and risky sexual and substance use behaviors now I think my biggest concern in our practice has been risk for children, right? Because they are an especially they're an especially vulnerable population where abuse is basically pandemic, right? Right. And so because of that, what happens is you have increased stress levels among parents and that often becomes a major predictor of physical abuse and neglect in children, even unintentionally. You know, where parents may be so stressed that they don't realize the effect that's having on their children. And we are hearing about some of that from our parents, um, especially these recent weeks, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. So because what happens is our families usually rely on help of extended family and child care and schools and even some religious groups that are no longer available right now in many areas. And so that increases the strain. Right, and that that child, that victim of any any age, you know, their their sense of normal is skewed right now. So what do you, what easy. do you think about financial strain in a family? Like some of the financial strains that are going on with Americans right now due to business closures and other things. Do you think that puts a family home at greater risk? Yeah, absolutely. We've taken away the things that give um, many in the workforce their meaning, their, their endorphins, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've added stressors that they're not dealing with daily, kids. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting, so, yeah. too, because a lot of people believe in open dialogue with their families and their children to the point where, you know, they're allowed to watch whatever's on TV or they're discussing a lot of what's going on almost at the adult level with a child because the child's intelligent, has access to their own media, and so, f so forth. But what's interesting to me is 
research says that that's not necessarily the best thing to do with your children. In fact, it says that sometimes keeping the stress as low as possible right now is better for them in general. How do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. So this has been the message to, um, you know, to kids and to parents, mostly the parents, right, is think about how your kids are processing this to try to make this a, you know, I mean, in many ways a positive memory, you know. Um, could There can be very, there could be a lot of really beautiful memories from this time. Um, and Have you heard you know, of any or... Yeah, I mean, that's been one thing we've talked a lot about with the emails, taking drives with your kids, mm-hmm. you know, reading to your kids, um, you know, getting creative, thinking of fun things to do with your kids, you know. Um, and those those are like kind of the cutesy, ideal, beautiful things. But, you know, I've said this before, you know, Gina said this to me before, you know, your kids, you know, what matters more to your kids is not like all the fun Instagram worthy things that you did with them mm-hmm. it's that you know Val and I are on the same page <laughs> you know, that, mm-hmm. that there's peace in the home that there's like simple reassuring structures like bedtime meals so you're clothes. saying kids should get up and eat yeah. and typically go to bed at their normal times even though they're at home absolutely I think kids thrive on stre- on structure mm-hmm. The truth is, I think adults actually thrive on structure, mm-hmm. and 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 yeah. I mean, we don't know how much longer some of this stuff is gonna last, and it's no time like the present to just say, okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's come up with some structures here that will help us as a family to, right. to you know, and, and and see that as an objective way to love on your kids. So, would you say? So, you're saying, you know, that. You think it's a good idea for them to get up and eat and go to bed at normal times. What about, do you feel like it's profitable for them to be changing um, activities at predictable intervals or maybe alternating periods of study and play? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, as a you know fairly ADD person myself, <laughs> um, you know, I got to get up and move you know I I, I don't learn if I don't get up and move I don't I'm not productive if I don't get up and move Um, I think we're hearing about a lot of you know all of you have come in for well child checks you know there's that awkward question from the AAP where I have to pick on you about how much your kid is watching screens (laughs) Um, you know and I'm sure that is increased and maybe that's okay right now you know maybe there's like a period of grace for that sure certainly there is but think about that you know like what you know that's not ideal that is not ideal and the longer this drags you know the more we got to think about what's the new ideal (laughs) I thought it was neat some of our families this week they talked about um just getting a a huge puzzle you know Mm -hmm. and having a family game time basically in the evening where they've been working on one big large puzzle together and Mm -hmm. how that's been really fun and then I thought it was interesting another one of our families told us that they were working their way through um a favorite dessert cookbook basically where they were trialing it and making it together and that it was a lot of fun and I thought that was a cool idea um what do you think the value of exercise is in all of this do you think that's important even for little kids or should we assume that kids are just because they're little they're they're already aerobically active I love these leading questions. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm just and, trying to do my best around here. We have, okay. you know, we have a, 
you know, part of the instructive from the governor is, yes, exercise is allowed. Go out and do it, you know. We're up, we were just talking about this, we were up in Giles County. Um, there's nobody at our little park in Newport, so we can social distance just fine there. Right. We've been taking the kids out and letting them go crazy, and if you saw Jack right now, he's got just as many bruises as he always does, and right. face-planted with his bike last night, and you know, that, that has to be, um, we, we know that's good for his mental health, because he doesn't drive us as crazy when he's out exercising. Exactly. So. Now, I mean, sadly, we have had a few instances where, um, you know, we've interacted with people that lean in the direction of catastrophic thinking, right? If we were going to mm -hmm. be completely honest mm -hmm. and, you know... Um, I'm going to give you an example. So an example of that would be like assuming every cough is a sign that you've been infected or reading news stories that kind of dwell on worst case scenarios. And we have to be so careful about this, you know, because the media just propagates this, right? Um, how does, how do we teach our children? How would I teach my child to keep a sense of perspective and help them engage in some kind of solution focused thinking and balance so I can help them maintain their peace. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so like we, like we said about the structures, but I think even probably significantly more important than that is how am I reacting to it? Mm -hmm. you know, what is my what is my image at home? Am I stressed out, angry, on the phone all the time? You know, um, snapping about small things. You know, kids. I'm in. There's kids of different ages, right? So my kids are very young. Mm -hmm. So there's like a lot of subconscious clues that they're picking up on. You know, if you have older right. kids at home, you know, is that TV spinning all day telling them things that they aren't really maybe old enough yet to process? Or, you know, um, or is that a healthy thing? Let's watch this news clip together. Let's talk about it, you know, um, depending on the age. So, um, so your first suggestion, one of your major suggestions, is to mm -hmm. basically limit consumption of the news, right? What do you yeah, think about absolutely. staying in touch virtually? How do you feel about that, keeping a strong support network? Well, I would think my first suggestion as a parent is evaluate, you know, get accountability on this, whether it's a spouse or a friend. What am I projecting to my children? Don't project dishonestly, but... Think about it, that, that your nonverbals have to mean so much more than your verbals. And then, yeah, where are my kids getting information about corona? You know, we've been sort of surprised at what our kids actually know about it when we ask them. <laughs> they are sponges. They are right. just listening constantly. It's like, you know, you know, how do you know about hydroxychloroquine? <laughs> You're four. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, um more than you should know about hydroxychloroquine. Do you remember um, this week we actually had one of our families say that they had decided to video chat with their um, granddaughter every night and read her a digital bedtime story, basically, and I thought that was so perfect because it really helped them feel closer, and apparently it really helped decrease the stress that was being seen in the child. Yeah, enlist help. You know, you know we have things like FaceTime and Zoom and um, you know, get grandparents, get a, get a friend. Hey, you know, my kids will look up to you. Can you read a story to them? You know, these kind of things. We were talking to another family this week about they have a deck of cards on questions your kids should be asking your grandparents or their grandparents, your parents. And so they send out the question to the grandparents 
they put the kids on and the grandparents answer it and it was like cool stuff like um, the one that sticks in the memory was how do how did they handle emergencies when you were growing up you know they didn't have 911 so grandma and grandpa had a fun time explaining that the kids are appreciating what we have now Commun- I mean it's just beautiful beautiful so do you think you know I know you've said that you've made mistakes along the way in even dealing with your own children sometimes in regards to COVID, you know, do you think it's okay to give yourself a break Um, sometimes? I mean, we're all trying to figure this out, right? Right, absolutely. And I think if you start getting super down on yourself or if, you know, even this conversation is bringing things to your mind that you're not proud of, this is bringing things to my mind that I'm not proud of. Right. Um, There's this image of perfectionism, right, that we normally aspire to be when we're parents. And especially in these days and times, right, there needs to be, you know, I, I love the word grace. It's big in my life. I try to make it big in my life, and I think you do too, but there does need to be some grace, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then intentionality about it, you know, cut, you know, cutting yourself away from, you know, make some priorities. I know you guys, a lot of you guys very well, and I know your priority is to be there for your kids. Um, you know, watch for behavior changes in your child. Are they eating? Are they sleeping? Are they, you know, excessive crying or irritation in little kids? But then think that through all the way to mm-hmm. adolescence, you know. Hey, Junior used to love to do this, and he or she has not done that in six weeks. What's going on? You know, um, you know, unexplained headaches. <laughs> so are you Joint saying... aches. You know, th- these can be just signs of, you know... Stress. Are these things are these things that our parents and families would look for in order to um, be able to ask us for help? That's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And we okay. don't want, we don't want to just attribute every knee pain to stress, but so that these are things that we can talk people through, and we obviously that means that's what we do. Right. I think we need to be careful about making the assumption that everybody knows how to nurture and protect children when they're at home. And you may know that um, about your own child and family, but we have to be careful about thinking that um, about the child and families down the street, especially in some of the surrounding communities around us. You know, a lot of the children only get fed when they're at school, and I know the school system in general has made a huge point of trying to continue to deliver meals for weeks and weeks for children. And um, I've even seen law enforcement involved in this, which is really emotional and humbling. But we have to do our part, too. You know, we do have extra time now to make a difference in, in the people's lives around us. Yeah, and I think this is something that we as healthcare providers have been drilled on. I mean, this is something we get told all the time is, you know, you got you to gotta self-care, you got to think about home, you know, you can't be so out there serving that you're neglecting at home. But the flip of that is one of the best ways, I think, to feel productive, feel like you're part of this, build community, build um, confidence and, and, and meaning back into your life is to reach out to others. So, you know, if you know someone on your street, you know, if you have a brother or sister somewhere in this country who has young kids, you know, or have, if you have elderly adults shut in, you know, part of your self-care can mm-hmm. be reach out to them. You know, right. that, that does something for you that is unmeasurable, but but that is a known. I mean, we know that that helps. And so, um, 
I was really just so deeply touched when I heard somebody in our our neck of the woods had decided to take their stimulus check, even though they really needed it, as they were supporting some of the single moms that are out there trying to maintain a family that had lost their jobs, and and just you know how powerful that was and how that made all the difference in the world. So it's absolutely been amazing to me to see how some people have tried their very best to look out and teach their children how to do that, like not let it be all about us, but how can we serve someone else around us? Yeah. I think that's been great. Yeah, and, and that's back to what we're talking about. You know, what is this, what is this memory going to be for your kids? You know, when they're sitting, you know, with their friends in a coffee shop when they're 20, 21, 22, and they're talking about childhood. Oh, yeah, I remember. What did you guys do during coronavirus? You know, give them something positive. Give them something to remember. This isn't going to be the first time that your children are going to have to learn how to deal with something difficult, right? There's hurricanes. There's floods. There's all kinds of unexpected happenings that we have to live with, right, as adults. And our children learn through us. Mm-hmm. So maybe the whole point of this is learning how to be intentional for the long haul, you know? Absolutely. And, and you got time now? Perfect. Deal with these kind of conversations now. Get, you know, have, your kid's going to come to you with anxiety at some point. Um, maybe not all kids, but this is a universal um, human experience. And so um, coaching them through a, you know, very public catastrophic event now will help them cope with their first breakup you know or their failing that test in freshman year or whatever that might be I know I've often heard you talk about um when you're counseling families and and being with them how you kind of use this terminology terminology called a ministry of presence Mm -hmm. and people have asked you what does that mean when when you've said to family members and parents what a ministry of presence is what are you talking about yeah and we were if you pull up the cdc website right now Mm -hmm. and you hit some of these infographics they've created for how to communicate with your kids about about this and about stress um uh, one of the things they talk about is being with you know be calm be honest and be with and this idea of communicating to your children that I'm here with you. This isn't your battle while I go off to work or, you know, I I battle my own adult battles. Mm -hmm. You know, this is our battle. We're in this together. I love that. And, um, you know, in a time when we all feel very, you know, disenfranchised, alone, you know, isolated, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And words like social isolation are a good thing, right? Right. You know, Three months ago, if, if somebody was in my practice saying, hey, our, our son is socially isolated, that's a big red flag, right? Um, so just, you know, using the relationships you have. You know, maybe there's a kid on your street who doesn't have, um, you know, you know that this kid doesn't have a close friend group or home life isn't perfect. Um, think about that, you know. Can my kid reach out to that kid? Let's talk about how to do that. Can I reach out to that kid? Let's think about how appropriately to do that to encourage that kid. Um, you know, so. it's funny. In closing, I can remember um, when I first adopted uh, my children, you know, um, I, I was so overwhelmed. And I can remember literally opening my screen door. And I, to this day, I can remember there were 18 
freshly baked cupcakes on the other side of my porch door and how meaningful it was to me. I Something as simple as baking cupcakes for six kids was just too much for me to do and, and go to work and, and maintain life as it was and how meaningful that was. And then I remember just another time opening my front porch and finding six little bikes. I think I've told you about this because we couldn't afford bicycles for our children. And somebody had seen our kids constantly borrowing kids' bikes and watching everybody else ride bikes. And next thing I knew, they had gone and bought all these little used bikes and painted them and added new fringes and little baskets and bells. And I will never to this day forget what a difference that made. It's been years. So it's funny how random acts of kindness really do have the potential to be life-changing. Yeah, on both sides of that. And so that's right. kind of what we're saying is like, you know, it's really easy right now to wake up in the morning and be like, blah, I feel like blah. Right. <laughs> and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and it's 10 o'clock and the day's over. You know? Right. I, I have to say, though, I've never seen you wake up and, well, I've never seen you wake up, but I've never seen you wake up and feel like blah. So. Oh, come on. You know, that's not true. You're but, a pretty cheery kind of guy, I think. Yeah. And like Nurse Gina. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, thanks for those of you who have made it through this whole thing. Um, and um, send us some comments or some questions for next week. Um, Absolutely. As, as always, we are here available for whatever's coming up. Um, I should thank um, local sewing ladies who have loaded us down with mat with um, yeah, thank cloth you masks. so much um a local um especially the one with the leopard print for dr leakashiri <laughs> we have a leopard print for our local kenyan <laughs> um you know one which of the, he really likes one of the pest management groups brought us mat like n95 masks local cleaners tracking us down so it's just been awesome to feel that community so absolutely thank you thank you so until next week, um, hopefully we'll see some of you, hopefully not all of you this week, but we'll catch up. See ya. Stop.